The last thing IHI wants to do is to add to the noise, quantity, and confusion about quality measures. That's why a team has worked so hard on a set of 15 that will be especially helpful to healthcare leaders and board members who are looking for a way to better understand how their systems are doing with ambitious goals for health as well as health care. The measure set is hot off the press as an IHI white paper called Whole System Measures 2.0, and we've got three out of the four authors with us to explain what's valuable and actionable on this edition of WIHI. And I want to welcome you to WIHI, an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. We come to you live bi-weekly, and then after the show, you can find the material on IHI.org and on iTunes. I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan, and I am also IHI's Director of Communications. So it's not easy to pick and choose what comes under some three broad domains domains of population health, experience of care, and per capita costs. That's why we're excited to share what the authors have come up with and why. And I'm going to introduce our panel in just a moment, but first we've got IHI's John Gothier here to remind you how to make the most of your time with us today. John. Hi, uh, thanks, Madge. Just a few items today to point out and help everybody make the most of today's program. Uh, on the right side of the screen is our chat window. If you've tuned into WIHI before, you know about the great conversation that takes place in the chat. It's also where you can ask our panelists your questions, so make sure that your questions and comments are directed to all participants when Madge opens up the floor to questions. This allows our panelists and your colleagues on WebEx to see all the questions and comments being shared. Now, there are a few ways that folks have connected to WIHI today. If you're logged onto the computer and listening to the program by streaming audio coming through speakers or your headphones, you'll see a box in the top right-hand corner labeled Audio Broadcast. If you're on a less reliable internet connection today, we recommend calling in on the phone. If you experience any audio issues, please send a quick message to the host in the chat. A simple solution to any audio hiccups may be to pause the WebEx audio player and then press play. If that problem persists, please let the folks at IHI Customer Service know. Their number is on the screen right now. Also, if you're hoping to get your hands on today's slides, I've provided a direct download link in the chat. Tomorrow, they'll be posted at our archive over at IHI.org slash WIHI, along with today's chat and other helpful articles and resources mentioned by the guests. You can also email info at IHI.org, and they'll send them your way. And finally, we're looking for ways to improve the listener experience here on WIHI. Please take some time after the program to fill out a quick survey and let us know how we've done. Back to you, Madge. All right. Thanks so much, John. And a reminder, we will turn to the chat, as John said, at, and your comments and questions at about the halfway point of the show. We welcome tweeting during and after the program. Thanks for including at the IHI and the hashtag WIHI in your tweets. If you are only tuned into WIHI by phone and you're not logged in, you're welcome to email info at IHI.org to get hold of some materials. All right. To our panel, joining us by phone from California. California, Alita Chase. She recently retired as Senior Vice President for Medicare Clinical Operations and Population Care at Kaiser Permanente. She is currently a consultant in the areas of health care governance, system performance measurement, transformation, and population care. Alita is also an IHI Senior Fellow and one of the authors of the white paper we're discussing today. Welcome, Alita. Thank you. Here in the studio with me, another white paper author, Jeff Rockover, who's an IHI research associate. He focuses on innovative payment and delivery models for maternal and infant health, as well as the implications of payers and providers applying quality improvement methods to achieve the triple aim. Welcome, Jeff. 
Great to be here. Thanks, man. And Lindsay Martin is right across from me. She's an IHI Executive Director and Improvement Advisor focused on innovation and system-wide improvement. Lindsay directs IHI's 90-day research and development process and is another proud author of now her second IHI white paper on whole system measures. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks, Madge. All right. And Lindsay's going to kick us off here. Um, we're going to just sort of set the scene for you and, and sort of pull some of the history forward uh, with some background and context. So, Lindsay, in 2007, IHI published its first white paper on whole system measures. And while there's a connection between that work, uh, and not just you, but you're an important connection too, but a connection between that work and the new 2.0 edition, the world has certainly changed a lot since 2007. And so I thought you could sort of help us bridge that time and what's been going on and then give us start to just get our feet wet with the new measures. Thanks a lot. Sure, Madge. Thanks so much. In 2007, we were thinking a lot about the current state and what was needed. And we're really identifying that leaders at the time didn't have a strong set of measures that were focused on quality and their overall system performance. And so at the time, we sought to create that system, defining the system a little more narrowly at the time than is now the case to look at what what would a leader or a board member want to know about their system to understand the overall performance. That need is still the same, flashing forward all these years, but the environment's quite different. So while these measures are strong and really helpful, we now need to take into account a broader set of needs. We need to take into account the fact that healthcare has looked further upstream to be able to acknowledge other factors that influence care, that system leaders are parts of community communities and that they need to consider their role in the communities. And certainly um, payment mechanisms have changed as well. So while we still focused on the broader application, this set goes further to think about the role that health systems and leaders have in their organization and broader. Okay. So uh, John, let's uh Pull that uh, one right before that one. Yeah, I just um, these are some overriding principles uh, I understand that you used in in selection, and we're going to get into more of that detail with Jeff. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about that in general, and then we'll uh, we have a nice screenshot of the new version. Absolutely. So Jeff's going to talk about how we created this new set of measures, and that's quite different than how we created the first set, and we're really proud of that process. Um, but when we worked on it initially, we really sought to follow these principles. So to think about balance, what does what does a leader need to think about with respect to the individual experience of each person, with respect to health overall, and with cost? And how do we balance that both within the system and outside? We wanted to have a really small set. We know that leaders can get bogged down with too many measures and especially board members. And the more measures we have, which are certainly a problem at the current state, means that the more noise there is and it's harder to pay attention. So we wanted to say, what is the set that would really give you the temperature of understanding where you are that you could start to make um, decisions off of. We tried to align with as many current measures as possible, make sure that they were immediately useful. And this was tricky because there are some measures which we wish were further along in their development and that we could have put in the paper, but they're not. Um, and so we wanted to make sure measures now are, are the best that we have and recognize that as with all things IHI does, there's always room for improvement and we may make 
make modifications at some point in the future. We used a consensus-driven process that Jeff will go into detail about, and we hope that leaders and board members will adapt these systems to be appropriate for their organizations as all leaders and systems are unique. All right. So now, thanks, Lindsay, and now we have just a nice image of the new white paper, uh, which uh, we've got a link in there as well, and uh, we're so thrilled uh, that it's out. It's certainly in time for uh, our WIHI. Um, I think, how, how long did you folks work on this? A while. A while, okay. <laughs> um, it's been in the works. Um, as Jeff goes into the, the Delphi process we used, it's really time intensive, and we wanted to do as much alignment with measures that existed in the environment. So it was certainly a labor of love that we're excited to have out in the public domain now. All right, great. All right, so the next image we've got up here, that's going to be a table uh, that's, uh, I guess you might need to squint your eyes a little bit, um, but that's in the white paper. So uh, good idea to go ahead and click on that link so you can see it in full and that that's the 15 uh, and uh, we're going to go though to one more image which I think Lindsay finds a little bit more easier to speak with the next figure John there we go and um, I just wanted Lindsay to just kind of give us the sort of broad overview of what we've got here uh, that really uh, brings together health and healthcare in a pretty amazing way absolutely so what you'll see is there is a, a circle with a dotted line and a that dotted line is really important in this case because it represents the kind of um, movement between a healthcare system as it's defined and the community that it lives in. And that, that really has become, I would say, 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't a dotted line. It was a solid line, and it was a little easier to draw the, the lines around systems. And that's changing and for the better, in my opinion. But you'll see that we wanted to be able to have leaders and community members understand that some leaders are really, some measures rather, are really focused on the hospital. They could be hospital. They could be ambulatory measures. They could be other care settings. Um, and some are community measures and that these measures that are listed under the three domains of population health, experience of care, and per capita care can be looked at at those different levels and together as a system. And based on your organization and where you are, you may draw those lines differently. Communities may draw those lines differently. And that's part of the adaptability that I referenced earlier. Okay. Very, very good. So um, you, we're going to go back to Lindsay uh, in a few minutes. I want to hear from Jeff and Alita, and then we'll, she may, she's going to call out uh, some of the things that I think are particularly interesting, uh, perhaps even in, in the uh, health domain, uh, that will represent some interesting challenges, but are perhaps we could say important challenges. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Let me turn to you now, Jeff. So uh, Lindsay started us off there to arrive at this neat list uh, is is a there is there has to be a process and um, I wonder if you could sort of talk us through that um, I, I don't know how much time that took <laughs> months and months I guess uh, to work that through but explain what that was about thanks Jeff thanks Madge it's really wonderful to be here today with everybody uh, indeed it was a very involved process over a number of months. Um, what we used is something called the Delphi process, a modified version of a Delphi process. And the Delphi process was really pioneered by the RAND Corporation back uh, sort of the middle of the 20th century. Um, and the overall goal and rationale for Delphi is to, to sort of make a decision in situations of great uncertainty or disagreement. 
And so usually a Delphi process is bringing together a number of, of, of sort of well-known, well-regarded experts, but still uh, trying to create a na- sort of anonymous decision-making among those experts so no one of them uh, has undue weight or influence based on the strength of their personality or sort of their style of argument. So typically these days a Delphi process is done through a survey method, and that's indeed uh, the process that we used. Um, and so, John, you can... And so essentially what we did is we had three rounds of surveying. Um, we selected a, a original uh, set of measures as candidate measures, again, organized along the triple aim subdomains that we developed for those each of the triple aim uh, domains. Um, and uh, three rounds of surveying. After each survey, um, we would have a conference call. This is the modified sense. So we did have a conference call after each anonymous survey uh, where we would review the results of the previous survey round, you know, which measures were most popular. We used a modified Likert scale uh, for each measure uh, for the voting. Um, and during the conference calls, we really discussed, you know, folks' rationale for, for supporting various measures or not supporting them, and, and maybe more importantly than that even, um, we had folks suggest alternative measures. So I think overall we had a just amazing bank of measures that we discussed and considered. Um, and by the end of the Delphi round, we did have a good sense of, of a smaller set of measures that were well, well supported by really a phenomenal panel of experts who engaged with us. We had about 40 experts from you know, CEOs and vice presidents and leaders of national health systems. We had some of the leading academics in measurement um, uh, from, from some of the best universities in the country. We had representatives from the most important medical professional societies, American Hospital Association, uh, medical, you know, uh, physician associations and the like, uh, from major payers, from government agencies, from the uh, uh, Center of Medicaid and Medicare Services Innovation Center. So really fantastic engagement, I and mean, we couldn't have asked for a better set of folks. To, uh, to work with on this. Um, and so after we had um, our, our measure set from the Delphi process, we, we made a couple of modifications based on input from some uh, IHI senior leaders where they, they saw some gaps, especially in equity, where they felt a need for a couple more specific measures, which you'll see reflected in the final set. Um, and really our next step, and maybe we'll speak to this later, is testing. I mean, really what we want to do with these measures is to get them into the hands of healthcare systems nationwide uh, to be used by boards of directors and C-suites um, to really guide uh, improvement and, and strategy going forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of a recap of our process. I'm happy to answer any questions on that later. Okay, sounds good. So think of some questions for Jeff about the process. And I believe all the leading experts you spoke with, they're all listed uh, in the uh, white paper itself. So if you're curious about that. Uh, the other thing that I think is fantastic uh, in the white paper is that all the sources for the data um, you know, if you're starting to, if you're scratching your head and saying, well, how am I going to figure that out or how am I going to find that? Uh, look no further. Uh, so it's a great uh, guideline. That's one of the appendices uh, in the white paper as well. Um, uh, before we turn to Alita, because I think this will be a nice lead into her, Lindsay, I want to ask you one other quick question. I'm not sure we said enough about why and how this white paper is particularly aimed at leaders and we, you, we've said uh, trustees of health systems. Sure. So the measures that are incorporated, um, and, and there was a question in the chat too about whether or not we've thought about the non-healthcare um, measures, non-medical components of healthcare that influence. The, the idea of this set of measures is really to pull together measures from these three different domains for leaders to be able to understand the overall performance of their system around quality and care and um, and the the response of their 
population and to understand the cost that it's influencing. The idea would be that leaders would be able to look at this as a high-level dashboard and then be able to make strategic decisions. They would be able to pull in individuals in their organization who can go deeper into those some of those measures to understand is there a trend moving in a direction? Do we want to perform at a different level? Then can we take these measures to understand how we want to direct our strategy to improve the overall care and experience um, and hopefully cost to the populations that we serve? So while we had to draw a line around how far we were going to go into those non-medical components, we really felt that that was required for this set of measures to be focused in on what health system leaders are doing at the present state and can affect. I would say there, there's other sets um, that that are looking more at those non-medical pieces, and and we think that that's probably great and a possible compendium, but a, but a different type of measure set. Okay, very good. Thank you. All right, Alita, let us turn to you out on the West Coast. So I know you uh, have been part of this project for a long time, too, with the team, and uh, I'm thinking that maybe part of what kept you going was your experience uh, or the experience of Kaiser Permanente in knowing perhaps uh, how this this kind of a dashboard can be very helpful. So uh, I'm curious if you can talk to, uh, to us about that, uh, both maybe from the perspective of Kaiser Permanente and then perhaps from some of the organizations you're working with uh, a bit now. Thanks, Alita. That, great, Matt. So I'm going to dial back in time um, all the way to the beginning of the original whole system measure set and why I'm such a believer uh, when I um, was working at Kaiser Permanente and being um, a lead staff for our board of directors, I'll never forget the day when uh, we were producing these volumes of performance reports um, that were all the way down at the micro level, probably five or 600 pages, literally, and all the effort and work that went to produce those. And as I was walking on my first board meeting, one of the board members uh, grabbed me in the hallway and he said to me, Lita, everything you're presenting is fantastic, but I really have one question, and that is, how are we doing? And it was um, an epiphany moment for me because I, I had this realization that we weren't providing clarity about the organization's performance as a system. Fortunately for me, the whole system measures 1.0, uh, was produced and served as an organizing framework for us to rethink the way we were um, providing information to our board of directors, our governance, and our senior leaders. And over the next many years, we used this conceptual framework of whole system measures as a way of informing our governance groups and our senior leaders about um, our progress on existing strategies and the need then to um, develop new strategies if we weren't progressing at the right pace. What Lindsay referred to and why I've had passion now is that um, healthcare in general and under the leadership of IGI, the, um, the path we're on now of embracing population health um, understanding more about the health rather than the illness side of that equation, as well as the social determinants of health and what is happening in the community, we've become um, more informed and embraced a wider circle of variables um, as healthcare leaders in thinking about 
the upstream impact and the way we can add our voice and our system's voice in order to affect upstream um, events. And so, uh, to me, the whole system 2.0 provides exactly the same um, conceptual framework, ability for uh, leaders within healthcare systems to manage this um, sea of measures by distilling it into a set that can inform a board, can continue to inform key top leaders in an organization, but then align and cascade down to the local level where actual improvement efforts take place um, at the all the way down um, at the local level. Okay, so um, <clears throat> thinking about we've got this list here challenges, uh, which is something we thought you might speak to, uh, and and in any which way you want to, um, kind of how these uh, have sort of <laughs> waxed and waned and, um, you know, to what extent you feel that what what you came up with now uh, has either addressed some of these challenges or which might be ongoing right now? Absolutely. So let's just go right straight through them, and I think the other panel members and even the participants will be interested because I would bet that these are exactly the challenges that all of us who are in um, healthcare leadership system um, systems are facing. Um, one that Lindsay already referred to is adequate measures in some of the subdomains. Now, particularly as we got into population health and um, and community, the health of the community where we uh, deliver care, um, we were struggling about um, subdomain measures that um, that we could actually measure in today's world. We had sort of conceptualization of those measures, but we didn't have reliable measures themselves. The next one, um, I'm working with a system right now that um, really is struggling with this issue is that, well, one way to fill the um, principle of parsimony is to use composites. But when composites are so complicated... Um, or you have so many contributing elements to the composite itself that nobody can remember um, what the composite actually means, then um, have you really provide, provided the clarity and the um, ability for your governing group to know about your overall performance, or are they watching a measure that they don't understand what drives that measure? It's a very important issue. Um, the next one, resistance to include measures that are outside of healthcare. And the words I would use is um, the thinking that, as an industry, we've had that we should only be held accountable for that which we control. And as we move into this appreciation of the community in which we live and the social determinants of health, the issue about um, previously not seeing social issues as where healthcare delivery um, can't con totally control that, but is a partner and has a voice, um, is this tug of war between should we restrict our view of the world only to the things that happen within our walls on care directly by our providers, or do we have a role as a healthcare industry in the communities in which we live and serve? This um, I've already talked about parsimony. 
The next one, um, I think, is under the leadership directly of IHI. This notion of the joy in work has um, become a stronger and stronger um, core competency that organizations are realizing that without thinking about our employees and um, the, the folks we work with and, and the joy that they experience in work, um, that we believe that it would underrepresent a very important issue. So we had to put this in. We felt it was a very important new, uh, um, new addition. Um, need and available measures and frequency of data collection are all um, important issues and ha having to do both with um, frequency of the timing of a measure, uh, if something is currently only reported annually or even um, semi-annually or is so latent that you have your governing group saying, why is this still relevant or have things changed enough that we can't um, use this information in a useful way, all are tied in there. We, we know the advice of, um, at the high level of continuing moving towards outcome measures and um, faced many challenges with that and attempted to stay in that lane but have a combination. Um, I think that Jeff also referred to when we finished our first round of the Delphi process and we went to the IGI leadership for guidance and they looked at our first and perhaps our, even our second set um, we, the leaders in IHI said, you know, the other uh, new thinking, uh, important thinking that we have to have this ingredient in here in addition to joy in work is the issue of health equity. And we, we want to advise you to go back and look at expanding your view to um, be, have more clarity around health equity. And finally, um, we've seen in the measurement world that a number of specialties are bringing very important um, measures that can be applied directly to a particular um, clinical specialty. And um, for them, those are very actionable measures. And so um, we're aware of the fact that simultaneous to our work, this bubbling up is this issue of um, actionable measures, particularly in the specialty area, which um, is a challenge that we were aware of, um, and um, it's continued work. All right. Thank you. That was very, very helpful as you went through each of those. Thanks so much. All right. So uh, Lita's will be with us, of course, through the whole hour, so we await your questions and comments. I'm uh, going to go back to Lindsay now, and um, let's go back, and uh, I guess we'll go to figure one, uh, John. Uh, that's uh, the, the, the view I think Lindsay thinks is the most helpful. I wanted to ask you, Lindsay, maybe to call out maybe particularly some of these issues, because I think maybe it may come up in discussion where people feel in healthcare, how do I control that? Why am I responsible, or why are we as an organization responsible and sort of some of your thinking about what got chosen there. Um, I was also, I'm also struck by affordability and then unmet healthcare um, uh, needs, which I think is very interesting there too. So, but whatever strikes you so, too. So let's maybe just jump in and talk about high school graduation rate. Cause I think that's the one that jumps out and, um, and there's sort of two camps of leaders. Um, and I, I think that the, like this is also a dotted line that's changing. Um, there's some that say, why would you want me to look at high school 
um, graduation rate and put it on my most senior dashboard. I mean, the dashboard I'm showing my board, why do, would you want me to show them a measure that I can't influence? Um, and I, I think the view is changing. So one, it's important to be able to look at a measure such as high school graduation rate to really understand the community that your organization is in and the broader sense. We've seen some organizations who have top, top care and then say, we provide the best care for children and yet the infant mortality rate in the community in which we live is one of the worst in the country. There, There is a level of social responsibility that we should be thinking about how do we influence that. So I do think it's the role of leaders across all different levels um, and types of organizations to understand the communities in which we live and to participate in those. Um, and looking at high school graduation rates is a great way and an indicator um, of that. And it gives a, a broader sense. I think it's really important. Um, as far as cost goes, cost is tricky in healthcare. We know we're fighting it a long time. Um, often uh, the role in a lot of industries is to sort of, you do better, prices go up, and, and that's how businesses boom. And what we're looking at in healthcare is to do the exact opposite, right? We are taking up an entire uh, large portion of the overall budgets. And so healthcare organizations are trying to say, how do we stay viable and how can we make cost more affordable. What is our kind of footprint as in what is the cost per capita of healthcare in our area and what is our contribution, understanding the role that we play in that overall cost per capita? And then is our healthcare cost affordable? So are people who come to seek care in our communities, in our organizations, not coming when they'd want to because they're, they can't afford it? And that has significant impacts on the total cost of care later on down the line. And so those measures, looking at the total cost of care, understanding what that cost is and how it influences individuals um, from an affordability standpoint is really important, both for that individual and then for the society as a whole. Okay. All right. That's very, very helpful. Okay. Well, um, I certainly have a, a bunch of questions, but that's not my job here. I'm, I want to get to your questions, everybody. So uh, why don't we... Uh, pivot that way, John, and just remind people how to make sure that we see your question or your comment. Make sure all your questions and comments are addressed to all participants in the send to bar. Okay. Thanks very much. Um, I don't know if uh, this comment from Amit, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, is a uh, is actually a comment or a question, uh, but maybe we'll turn it into a question. The role of healthcare systems influencing social determinants versus advocacy for large-scale policy efforts that influence uh, those determinants. Uh, Alita, do you have any thoughts about that um, as this you know, as as the world turns and we're thinking much more about upstream and social determinants, uh, is there a piece to this uh, where systems could actually influence, uh, you know, uh, the data and and what's going on? Yeah, I think I think this is a great comment, and I um, I see this as a yes and that um, uh, healthcare systems have. Uh, a obligation in both areas. So let's take the role of the healthcare system influencing the social determinants themselves. So what we've seen, particularly in um, in larger systems where their footprint in communities where they um, where they deliver through um, usually through their the arm that at Lisa Kaiser we called it our community benefit arm. 
was um, a lot of thinking about how, as one of the largest employers in particularly in particular areas, um, um, and um, in some cases one of the major healthcare deliverers, um, whether we were doing enough in programs such as um, food scarcity um, in geographic areas. Um, uh, the spottiness of the track record around immunizations, children that were immunized at um, very high rates or where we saw a drop-off. Um, uh, housing would be another example. And then, as you saw, um, high school graduation was um, a, one of the bigger issues that, in particular, one of our Delphi um, participants and children really um, uh, talked about the work they were doing in that particular area. So in that case, um, I would say we started flexing as an organization to go, this is um, broader than um, the management of chronic conditions among just the people that are delivering, that we're delivering care to, uh, in, the, in our case, as Kaiser Permanente members. But we are thinking about um, our role in the communities where they live and where could um, Kaiser as a major employer um, and have an investment, a bigger investment in the community. So um, looking at high school um, needs for um, walking trails, safe trails would be another example. So there's quite a long list of ways that we're aware that um, healthcare delivery systems are moving um, in a bigger way, and some have always been involved in um, it being more actionable out in the community and the role that they play. Mm-hmm. Now, go ahead. Usually, there's a different role match for pol- impacting policy. So, in my mind, that's the role an organization plays at, at the city level, at the state level, at the federal level. And a very simple example would be um, the action that a delivery system plays on whether or not there should be a tax on, uh, on um, sodas or um, uh, uh, safety, the use of safety equipment on the part of children. So uh, one is policy generally handled uh, frequently by your, your policy department and, and your legal department about where are the select policies that as an organization, we should have a voice. That's our responsibility um, because it impacts the health of our community. And then the other is within the community where you're serving, what is the role you play as an employer, as an investor in the health of that community itself? All right. That's good. That's very helpful. Uh, any uh, further thoughts on any of that? Uh, those of you tuned in today, please go ahead. Thanks, Alita. Uh, interesting. Two questions that are kind of related. Uh, somebody is asking about uh, the manpower or woman power, perhaps, uh, needed uh, to get at perhaps even some of these newer uh, measures that uh, folks are not as used to obtaining. Uh, and there was a kind of a related question about better relationships or cooperation with community groups and agencies in terms of data sharing. So who, uh, Lindsay, you want to start us off there? Sure. Um, so 
I, I think the amount of manpower needed to pull the measures is a great question. This is actually one of the factors that we used um, when thinking about the, the data itself. A lot of these measures are actually available, um, and organizations do collect them. They may collect them in different places, different um, parts of the organization, and some are even publicly available. Um, a few of them will take a, a little bit more work to do, but overall, I don't think that the burden will be excessive because they're not new to the universe measures. The newness of this is pulling together a set for leaders to be able to use in this way. And once that high-level dashboard's created, then I think it's actually what just having an ongoing look at what's happening and being able to look at that data over time. We're, we're excited, actually. A few um, a few data groups have approached IHI and said, you know, we're really interested in these measures. Um, and, of course, they're open to the public for anyone to use. Um, but we are going to have some conversations with organizations who may be interested in creating dashboards um, for organizations to use that do sort of pull this information in and aggregate it to have it be useful on an ongoing basis. Um, but I, I think it is... Thinking back to 2007, when a lot of those measures were really much newer, this should be um, a much lighter lift for pulling the data together. Okay. Very, very good. Um, and I do want to remind people in the, uh, the appendix in appendix C in the white paper, uh, it's, it's very, very helpful because it goes through each subdomain and measure talks about uh, the sort of steward of a lot of that information, the data sources, and uh, where you might get additional uh, information. Maybe we could even draw out a, great, a good example from that. Uh, somebody is asking about an, uh, what is an example of how an optimal governance system might look, uh, one which cascades broad organizational goals down to the front line, how to foster accountability and open two-way feedback. That sounds like a somewhat more general uh, question about governance uh, and, and a board and the rest of the organization, but maybe, Alita, we could look at that in the context of you're a board member, you're listening uh, to this program today, or you're going to be listening to it because someone uh, feels it might be worth your while and you want to push something uh, forward. Um, can you think about sort of the role maybe uh, that uh, trustees could play here to even develop that optimal system? Sure. Could you go to the, um, the I call it the puddle diagram, the one that... Um, the one with the circle. Was, yeah, all right, back to the circle. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're there. there. Okay. There. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it doesn't really look like a puddle, but I've got the, the, you know, the expanding circles there. Got it. Um, it's a great question because uh, this gets into both um, our system-wide measures, whole system measures that reported for a governance group, actionable and um, and on the other so that's on the one side and on the other is um, improvement happens locally and um, and you have to provide um, enough information about um, system measures in terms of local performance that people can actually know where they stand relative to their own performance um, to others performance and even outside the system so I think the questions for a governance group um, are, um, if you look down on these measures, are the broad questions of how are we doing as a system, how fast are we improving, and how much variation occurs within our system 
um, um, on the things that we can measure at least internally. And if there's um, a northern star or a best a best set of performance um, external to our system, what is the gap between that and how we as a system, our system is performing? Now, the next sort of principle is this notion of cascading and aligning. So let's look at, um, well, let's take the workforce well-being and job satisfaction. That's, that's a pretty um, good one, very practical. That it, it's an example of one that you could get your arms around within a delivery system to know how the overall system is doing in terms of employee well-being in the area of job satisfaction. You would also be able to know how much variation you had on that particular measure across the system. But what um, would be the most helpful is if that particular measure is um, cascades all the way down to um, front and local work groups because that's where a particular department head or unit manager would need to know about how, how what's the well-being of the people that I work with in my, in my unit or in, um, in our hospital or in our ambulatory clinic. So that one's fairly easy. Um, you could do the very same thing with access, obviously, and with the ones that have been around a long time for safety and um, uh, patient clinician um, communication satisfaction. So it's a little harder when we get into some of these population health and community ones because the measures are frequently not um, measured that frequently. But you could imagine um, dropping down to the individual um, from the, the overall population all the way down to the individual um, on, on the obesity and overweight ones and um, uh, the, uh, the disparities in infant mortality rate would be another example. All right, thanks. Um, int- thanks, Alita, and that's very helpful. And a couple more questions, and, and Lindsay, go cu- right ahead. A couple more questions have come up around, like, what would the trigger point be um, to know when to intervene? What What would it look like? How do I get it down to the microsystem work? I think some of this will really depend on the organization itself. I know when I look at a set of measures um, as, a, as a leader or a board member, I'm thinking, okay, what does the overall performance look like? What was our goal? And now are we performing in the right direction? So these measures aren't helpful as a one-off, right? We really do want to see them over time. And then I think the triggers do become apparent. And I wouldn't be able to look at the high-level measure and say, I know the microsystem change I want to make to improve that measure. I would be able to look as a leader and say, What's happening there? So either what are we doing really well that's made that change and how do we think about what the application of that more broadly? Or why isn't this measure, this measure's been flat for a long time. Why? Are we satisfied with it? Are we not? It's certainly in control, but do we want it to perform at a different level or what's the difference? You know, why is something negative happening that's not? And did we intend for that to happen? And I think what leaders are able to do then is ask the right questions. It's the question of leadership to understand enough to be able to say, what is 
what is the problem. And if you're using run charts or control charts, you certainly will be able to use those rules to, to understand a trigger um, and to know if there's a special cause or if the system is moving in a direction um, based on a change in variation that you're not interested in. Um, and then I think it's the role of the, the leader um, to be able to understand, to be able to know that this is a high level view and there's an entire set of measures that fall under that. Um, and those measures are helpful. They're just not helpful at every level. So we want to understand, is this a problem that's happening across our system? Is this isolated to a certain part of it? And then be able to go and put action into the right place to affect that change. Right. And I think that perhaps relates to a couple of questions that are suggesting that if these are your measures, to how does one start to influence providers and those at the front lines so that their actions and behaviors, uh, you know, feed up, feed up through the whole system and that are constant. But I think partly you're also saying you've got to begin to identify. It, it kind of goes in both directions. It does. And I think it's important for those at the front line or those in specific microsystems who are collecting that data to understand that their measure does feed up to something broader that health systems system leaders really are paying attention to. Often we feel like data that's collected at the microsystem level is just a grind and it goes nowhere and people aren't paying attention. Well, no. Um, I've walked into boardrooms where so the, these measures or a set similar to this are around the room and that is the conversation that's happening at the board level. That is where the leadership conversation is happening. And then you can um, understand when that's visible. I think people in microsystems understand actually the work I do is paid attention to. It just paid attention to at a higher level, and this is how that information feeds up. Okay, thank you. All right, I want to get back to a chat question, but I thought of something I might ask Jeff here, Jeff Rockover. Um, I also think this measure around um, social support is sort of an interesting one, and I was curious kind of what uh, to what extent or how common that is uh, when one is looking at community well-being, uh, percentage of survey respondents who report that they always or usually have the support they need. Um, you know, in response to the question, how often do you get the social and emotional support you need from any source? Now, you quote a, a number of sources there, but um, I'm kind of curious about that sort of that winnowing process that might have gone on there, uh, Jeff. Yeah, we, we actually looked at a number of more traditional public health measures, uh, a number that come from um, public health surveys from the CDC and others like BRFIS. Uh And so the social support measure, um, I think the popularity of it compared to some of the other measures we looked at really came from some of the policy priorities that have been in place for the past few years, like readmissions. We know when we talk to providers that the amount of support the folks have at home, uh, in the community, et cetera, is so important to, um, you know, longitudinal cost of care, to what happens after patients leave the hospital. And so I think that sort of measure really resonated uh, with the leaders that we surveyed and, and discussed uh, and talked to as part of this process. Um, that's, you know, those kinds of public health measures, I think, are part of what is is innovative in some ways about this measure set. Um, you know, there's, in our testing work, you know, we're going to be working with a select number of systems, I think, to uh, to sort of operationalize uh, some of those measures like general health and social support further. I don't think, you know, they're not terribly complicated questions. I don't think they pose immense challenges to operationalize, but it, it does take a little bit of work to uh, embed them, for example, in family practice uh, and other settings where it makes sense to, to ask some of those questions that then, as I said, will be important to overall quality. 
Great. Um, I also, one very other quick, quick question. I notice <laughs> patient satisfaction doesn't appear. <laughs> Not that I was expecting it to, uh, but, um, I, uh, in full disclosure, I, I am a board member, uh, at a, um, nearby hospital and patient satisfaction, uh, issues, uh, partly because of things that, you know, relate to payment and because also, uh, folks absolutely want to improve that. That doesn't appear here anywhere, and I'm 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 sure nothing was an oversight. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, did you discuss? Uh, we did. You did. Okay. We did. Part of the the challenge with patient satisfaction is a lot of folks think it's topped out. They're getting scores in the high 90s. So how much improvement can you do when your your scores in the high 90s start start with? That said, we do have a number of caps measures that did appear. There are subset measures that folks thought were particularly helpful, such as in, in patient centeredness in that subdomain, uh, patient clinician communication satisfaction. Uh, timely ambulatory care is also in there, which is from CG CAP. So some of those uh, more drill-down questions did appear. We did talk a lot about patient satisfaction, but there's a lot of angst around that question right now in the provider community. Okay. Very, and I very think, good. Matt, just recognizing yeah. that also in that, that satisfaction really should fall into the overall experience. And part of the experience is, did you get the care you need without being harmed? And so some of those questions are fall into that domain as well. So it's a, it's a bit of a mind frame switch of, did you enjoy your experience and was it um, what you needed for the for this situation that you were coming in for? Okay, very good. All right, uh, John's going to – oh, okay, we're not going to uh, mention something. Uh, all right, skip that. All right, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm just sitting here trying to host this thing. All right. So uh, is this John's going to speak to this. No, we're not going to talk about that slide. We're not going to talk about that slide. But you can read it. There is a change conference. I think we're talking about change here uh, at IHI 2017. Very exciting conference. It took place for the first time last year. And uh, I think people were thrilled and talk about sort of leaders coming together and really wrapping uh, their arms around a lot of these issue, and uh, Lindsay can say a little bit more about it. I can. I was great. It was fantastic. I was um, I was able to participate last year. We had leaders come from all over the country, and some came as teams to really think about what leadership and change looks like um, in the current, and how do we remove barriers and make that that. It's extremely dynamic. It's highly participatory, um, and the folks who come, I think, leave with uh, with plans to energize and think about leadership and change in their organization. All right. Well, you can get more information on our website, and uh, you can download that slide. Thank you. So there was another kind of interesting comment from John Shaw. He said, to truly understand whole system picture of health, we need to see the total per capita social costs and program investments, including healthcare, like seen in Europe. Balance of spending by social determinant sector plus health delivery needed. Uh, need this other social spending data in the mix to understand health spending. Uh, any thoughts on that? Can I uh, uh, throw that one to you, Alita, your thoughts about that? I was actually hoping that Jeff might pick this up. I believe <laughs> in our discussion that um, this is a recognition of it would be nice to have, but we did we could not land on a current um, um, existing way of measuring this bigger picture. So, Jeff, um, you recall this whole conversation yeah. around this issue? Good. Thank it's you. A, it's a, 
it's an amazing point and I think is totally on point. It's totally right. That's where we want to go. I think the reality right now is it's pretty hard, um, especially at sort of a health system level, to think about all those costs. I mean, there are a lot of different financial streams involved for you know state public health agencies, for nonprofits providing health services. Administratively, it's just provides. It's just our numerous obstacles given how fragmented our health system it could be. That said, I think we do have some really progressive measures uh, under this societal footprint subdomain under cost. Um, I, I urge you to take a look at the health partners total cost of care measure, which is in there, which attributes uh, at spending to primary care providers. It's a great attribution measure. It covers really all the health care costs uh, that, that a patient will see, you know, over any period of time. Uh, and, and it's, I think, a really leading edge. And it's been a really uh, impactful measure over at Health Partners. Um, and uh, we're happy to uh, follow up with you if you want to learn more about that. But great question and really great point. Okay, sounds good. All right. Uh, somebody is saying here, how about individual health status aggregate costs, useful measure if adjusted for morbidity and demographics as it provides an overall efficiency measure? Interesting uh, contributions there. Please, uh, hopefully, you know, we're, this is a, a kind of stake in the ground and will be a living, breathing a discussion as we move forward. Um, I think what we'll do is we're going to maybe start to wrap up. And one of the things I guess I uh, maybe each of you can address is kind of your hope. I mean, it's a labor of love and a lot of hard work to put something like this together. Uh, this WHI, I uh, discussions at conferences uh, and elsewhere will be part of trying to get it out there. And um, I'm curious kind of what your hopes are. Uh, hopes are in terms of who's reading this, uh, what people will do with it. Uh, imagine if you're on the program today, what do you do next? And Wendy, we'll start with you, Lindsay. Sure. Um, we really hope to hear from you. Um, so I'll put, I'll start there. Um, we hope that organizations take, take these sets um, and we're going to do, um, we're going to try to move forward in other ways to try to um, ha- make them even more usable to work with perhaps aggregators who are interested in doing that. But we're happy to work with anyone who's really interested in testing. So to say, here's a set of measures that we're using um, to, to use them with their boards, to use them with their senior leadership, to look at their data over time and think about about what has been helpful, what they're learning, what's not useful. Um, all change is local. So if something isn't working for you, what, what you've made a modification to, um, we're really hoping to learn from organizations how these measures are being used, how they're being changed, um, and what they like or dislike about them. Um, we are, we are, are an improvement organization. So there's always room for change and improvement. Um, and we'd love, truly love to hear your thoughts to be able to influence this work going forward. What about uh, the world of IT and whether or not there might be sort of an opportunity here? Uh, (laughs) There's always an opportunity in the world of IT. Um, So as I said, we are working with some groups who I think would be able to pull these measures across. There was another question earlier about um, what's the role of sharing data across entities, so healthcare system sharing more. I think this sets up a great way to be able to do that, um, to be able to pull information and share and learn across sites. And then in a broader community context for the the most senior level measures that those organizations are looking at to be able to be shared within healthcare as well. So um, while IT isn't always the solution, um, when looking at data, um, it certainly can make life a little easier. 
Okay, thanks. Uh, Jeff, uh, some thoughts? You kind of, what were you, or what do you envision <laughs> folks are doing with this? Yeah. I echo, Lindsay. I mean, I, I hope that uh, health system boards and leaders, you know, uh, find these interesting and useful and, and adopt them, really, for some, some of the health systems in the country. But also, I would say I hope payers and government agencies uh, take interest here. I mean, these measures were were expressed as a sort of very useful by some of the leading health systems and, and top leaders of those health systems in this country. And while these measures are not really for accountability, they're for improvement, I hope that um, that payers get some insight into what, what uh, you know, health system leaders find to be important right now. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jeff, and thanks, Lindsay. Alita, what, what are some of your hopes? Uh, I think we're going to echo here. Um, all three of us and um, our colleague, Jean Nelson, as well, are really hoping to test the measures. Uh, we actually had two organizations approach us before we were we were just in mid-draft of the paper itself going, can you give us a sneak set because we want to get rolling with um, with the concept and, uh, around what you tried to accomplish with Cold System Measures 2.0. We want to test these measures across a governance system for use by governance and leaders. Um, we'd love feedback about them. We know they aren't totally perfect and what's missing uh, and waiting for the measurement world to help provide a pathway there. So I would say help us test. Okay. Um, Okay. Thanks, Alita and Lindsay and Jeff. And a reminder that their email addresses are on their uh, bio slides. And uh, this is, uh, they're being very serious. They do want to hear from you. Please. Um, I think perhaps, uh, you know, a lot to digest today and people just taking in this information. But as you're looking things over uh, and talking with your colleagues, uh, Please uh, get back in touch and let us know, uh, give uh, some feedback and uh, let us know uh, what questions you might have. All right. So big thank you to the audience and today's panel again, uh, Lita Chase, Lindsay Martin, and Jeff Rockover. Next up on WIHI, uh, this is actually today's program, December 1. This is our last live broadcast for the year, but in two weeks we'll be posting a WIHI special edition podcast of Dr. Rishi Manchata. He's the key keynote speaker at this year's scientific symposium, which takes place on December 5th alongside our IHI National Forum coming up. And he's a passionate upstreamist, and you'll appreciate learning uh, more from him. And I think I was just looking at some of his slides today uh, that he'll be talking about next week, and it relates very much uh, to uh, the measure set uh, we're looking at today. A reminder that you can download the chat and any slides we use from our discussion today when you log off. Look for that option. Thanks for also filling out the survey. Let us know what worked for you for the program and what we can do better. And you can check out the archive pages for WIHI where you're going to find the audio of this program plus all the related resources. You'll find that later today or to tomorrow morning. And uh, you can also find the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And any questions whatsoever, any confusion, you can email info at IHI.org. A great group helped make WIHI possible. They include John Gothier, Matt Morse, Jameson Case, Vicki Minden, Jesse McCall, Jane Rossner, Val Weber, Ruth James, and Haley Ladd. And it's my privilege, as always, to host a program that's about spirited learning and improving health and patient care most of all. So for the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, happy day one of December, uh, acknowledgement of World AIDS Day as well. I'm Madge Kaplan. Have a good afternoon. Thank you.